Welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people, the whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit. Hear these words from the book that we love. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you may be seated. So I, as I said, I originally preached this sermon uh, a couple years ago in 2021. I preached it in October of 2021. And the reason why I remember is uh, because it was right around Columbus Day. And uh, in October in 2021, there was a huge controversy over Columbus Day, which Columbus Day is obviously very controversial holiday really along the fault lines in our culture, but it was particularly controversial in the city of Philadelphia that year because it was the first year uh, that the mayor, Mayor Kenny, did not come, uh, a mayor in decades had not shown up to the Italian American Festival, which happens on the weekend of Columbus Day. And it seemed to the Italian American community, it seemed kind of sly that Mayor Kenny didn't show up and that, he, that the Broad Street Run, which is really one of the biggest events in the, in the city in the calendar year, it was scheduled, instead of its usual time in May, it was moved to Columbus Day weekend. So Mayor Kenny had a place where he needed to be. And of course, and Mayor Kenny had, I, I, I don't know the motivations, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Like Columbus Day is, is a controversial holiday for very legitimate reasons. Um, and I, I, I'm not gonna adjudicate what should or shouldn't be happening. Uh, but the, the point that I want to make is that I think we as modern people, we often look back at, uh, you know, more, maybe like more historic calendars, ancient peoples, the way that they viewed time, how they had feast days, festivals, and stuff. We look back and we're like, they, they, they just viewed time so differently. That was, that was weird. But we, you know, we really, we, the way we view time different is, is different as modern people. And the whole Columbus Day controversy revealed, hey, actually, no. These things are still, like, feasts, festivals, rhythms, and calendars are still a really, really big deal. 
Like these things are, there's still places, there's times when people remember who they are and what they stand for. Like people, the identity of a people is renewed at things like the, like the Italian American festival. And if you, you, if you look at uh, the quickest way to reveal what's transcendent in a culture, what's viewed as like uplifted and important is to observe how rituals occur across time. And Columbus Day, I would say, is the center of like a, almost like quasi-religious conflict in our cultural moment. And uh, if you look throughout history, like revolutionaries and conquerors, they've known that if you want to destroy or replace or renew a culture, you have to change how people view space and time. Time being the one we're going to focus on today. It's not an accident that what, the French Revolution in the 1790s, one of the things that they did, wanted to do to wipe away the history of the Catholic Church was institute a new calendar. The, all the, the, it was a 10-day weeks. All the months were renamed after different flowers and trees. And it was a, it was a calendar that lasted for like 15 years in, in the history of France. Revolutionaries know the way to change, to replace, a, to destroy, replace, renew a culture is to change how rituals occur across time. And time and worship, as we look towards the wider story of scripture and as we look towards this particular text, time and worship are intimately connected. And the key thing that, thing that we see, um, I'm going to talk about Sabbath, which is this really Old Testament theme, this idea that we see strongly in this passage. And then we're going to talk about resurrection and what Jesus' resurrection does to how we understand Sabbath. But in the Bible, the worship and time being connected is particularly seen in the theme of Sabbath. Sabbath just means rest. Uh, Sabbath is something that we see from the first page of the Bible. And if you see it in in the reflection quotes that I have, I have uh, the, the first verses of Genesis 2, after God creates the world, on the seventh day he rests, and that day is set apart to be holy. That's the origin of the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is really emphasized in the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus. Sabbath just means cease. It's a day that the people of Israel were called to stop from their work, uh, to remember that they were slaves in the land of Egypt, but had been freed by God, uh, and for them, to, for them to praise him. It's also a day for them to gather together and for the reading of things that are, are not dissimilar from what we do now, the reading of scripture and uh, the gathering of, of those who, who follow, follow God. And in the Old Testament, we see there are all kinds of Sabbath rhythms. The most important one is the one from week to week, but you can see them like every, every month there were certain Sabbath rhythms in the law of certain things taking a break. Uh, there were three, there were annu- three annual festivals. Every seven years, a field would have to lie fallow, and every 50 years, there'd be a year of jubilee where slaves were freed, where land would be restored. It's just to say, like, the Bible clearly understands human, like, anthropology, understands how people work and the importance of rhythms across time. And like I said, the most significant of these, however, uh, that really set apart Israel among ancient nations was this weekly rhythm of one day a week of rest. And in the Ten Commandments, when God commands uh, Moses to then bring these commandments to the people, uh, his commandment for the Sabbath is, it's in the middle of the Ten Commandments. Uh, It's really kind of the hinge point of the Ten Commandments between the ones that are about loving God and the ones that are about loving others. It's right in the middle. And of all the Ten Commandments, it's the one that has the most words. It's the longest one. And some of the Ten Commandments are really short. You know, thou shalt not steal. Pretty short. But, the, but the, the, the instructions for the Sabbath are a lot more. They're central, and they're, they're really the, a key focus in the Ten Commandments. 
And, God, and throughout the Old Testament, God comes back to the Sabbath as a key thing that separates his people from the world. And the purpose of the Sabbath, as I said, is to rest, to remember, and to worship. It's a day where we remember that God is the creator, and we are not. That God redeemed us, and we're not slaves. You know, that the people of God, they would rest to, to show that like, they weren't, in, like slaves work all the time. But the people of God have been freed from slavery, so they could take a day to rest. And in Isaiah 56, this passage that we see here, we see that the, um, the Sabbath <clears throat> is a particular place, a particular time, I should say, where God's life breaks into the world in surprising ways. It's where the impossible happens. So the Sabbath is a place of looking back. It's also a place, a, a time of, of looking, looking forward to God's eventual restoration of all things. But it's also a, a time in the Old Testament where, in the present, where God uniquely meets and renews his people. So what are some of the ways that we see that in this passage? There are two groups of people who are described in uh, this passage of Isaiah, and there are two people who are, uh, who are on the outside. You know, the, the, the concluding verse of this passage is the Lord God saying, hey, I will gather yet others besides those who are already gathered. These are the groups, this, the foreigners and the eunuchs, they are outside. They're, they're traditionally outsiders at Sabbath gatherings. So the foreigners, those who are estranged, they would have been considered unclean. Uh, they, they weren't allowed to come near, weren't allowed to step foot in the temple. Um, and their, 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 their fear, as you can see in verse 3, let not the foreigner who's joined himself to the Lord say, but the Lord will surely separate me from his people. Like the, the, the key thing that about foreigners is they're separated from God's people. They're outside. And then the other people group that's described here are the eunuchs those who are unable to bear children. And you, get, you can see that the, the fear of the eunuchs in verse 3, let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. And that, and that, that, that poetic language, it's, it's, it's the, the language for having kids in Scripture is often described as fruitfulness. Eunuchs can't have kids. They're, they're distinct from the people in that way. But God makes big promises to these particular groups, and it, it be headline, headlines it with those who keep my Sabbath, those who keep my Sabbath, who don't profane my Sabbath. What are the things that the, that's promised to these people? What does he say to the foreigners? Um, he says, don't say that you'll be separate, separate from the people. Verse 6, the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and be his servants. Everyone who keeps my Sabbath, there it is, and does not profane it, holds my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted um, on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Those who are afraid of being separate, they're brought near, and they're coming to a holy mountain. They're offering sacrifices. This is a promise that God is making for those who keep the Sabbath, and it's a promise for those who are going to be practicing the Sabbath. Those who are far off, those foreigners, they're going to be welcomed in. They're going to be brought near. They're going to get to assemble with God's people. They're going to get to make offerings. They're not going to be unclean. And then for the eunuch, it's, 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 even, it's just really striking, even, it's, and it's, it's even more poetic. For those, th verse 4, For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name 
that shall not be cut off. The promise here in not profaning the Sabbath and in practicing the Sabbath and something about the Sabbath itself is that this is the gift that's given. There's something about it that the eunuch is given something even better than children. He's given an, the eunuchs are given a name. They're given a monument that, the, the, like, the, and not having kids is like not having a name in the ancient world. And God's promising, and Sabbath being the particular path through this, you'll th- they will be given this, and they'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And yes, these are eunuchs. The procreative, like, things are cut off. But things, they, but God is saying things are promised to you that can't be taken away from you. And that the Sabbath is, seems to be the particular vehicle through which that happens. And I would draw your attention to how these promises that God is making to these people who are far off, they're communal promises. They're community promises. It's like the, the foreigners who are far off, they'll be brought in and they'll get to worship together with God's people at his holy mountain. For the eunuchs, it's you'll have you'll have something you'll have a name you'll be with the people. Um, I'll give them a house. Like there's 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 something about the, them being gathered, and you can hear it's kind of these themes reverberating of sat like Sabbath being a vehicle where God will be bring restoration to these people who are far off. That's that's the Sabbath. That's what we see in this passage. Now, the, and the Sabbath is, is, uh, an, is an old, old Testament thing. Um, and what happens in the New Testament with the coming of Jesus, his, his life, his death, his, and his resurrection, is we begin to see the movement of the, all the, the weight on the Sabbath in the Old Testament begin, starts to be moved to the day of the resurrection, Sunday. So G, the, the most important event in human history happened not on a Saturday. Saturday was the last day of the week. Saturday was the day of Sabbath. The resurrection happened on a Sunday. Jesus rested. Jesus took a Sabbath in the grave. He rested on Saturday, but then he rose on a Sunday. So the weight of the Sabbath has been passed, and, and, and we can see this very early on, actually. In, in your reflection quotes, I included just this one-off verse um, from Acts uh, chapter, chapter 20, verse, verse 7, where it says, On the first day of the week, that's Sunday, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. I'm not going to prolong my speech until midnight. Uh, and, and all God's people said amen. Uh, but, amen. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the thing that, that to draw your attention to here is, it's, he's, this, so it's the gathering together of, of those who follow Christ to break bread and to receive a, a word, to hear preaching. And what day is it? It's on the first day of the week. It's on a Sunday. From very early on in the church, we see that Sunday is a day for the gathering, it's, and it begins to be called the Lord's Day. Um, even before, before Scripture comes to an end, Revelation is referred to as the Lord's Day. And uh, we see that, um, and yeah, the Lord's Day is, a, is elsewhere in Acts, we see it's a day to gather together, to confess sins, to give, have thanksgiving to God, reading of Scripture, sermons, breaking be- bread, or just eating together, offering prayers. We begin to see that very early on. And like I said, the weight of the Sabbath has moved on to this new resurrection day, Sunday, the Lord's Day. And what's the significance of this? So the day seven of the Sabbath was the last day of the week. It was a day that God rested, a day to rest and remember. Sunday is kind of like the new, it's the eighth day of creation, or it's the new day one of a new creation. Um, it's the, like, remember the Sabbath, there is an element of looking back, how God God rescued us, looking forward to him, his restoration of all things. 
on the Sunday, as we're doing this now, there's an element of looking back and looking forward. There's an element of looking back on Jesus' victory over sin and death on the cross and how we've been freed, just like the people of God have been, just have been freed in the Old Testament from slavery, so we're freed from slavery to sin. There's also an element of looking forward on our Sundays when we worship, of looking forward to Jesus coming back and renewing all things. But like the Sabbath, there's also a present emphasis in the resurrection, in, in the Lord's day, in, in the resurrection day, where it's the day where we expect God to meet us in particular and powerful ways. It's the day, remember, it's the new day one. It's the day of the new creation. We expect Sundays, as we look at Scripture, we expect Sundays to be the day where God's new creation life breaks into a dying world. That happens. New creation life breaks into a dying world every time that Jesus' followers gather together and worship on Sundays. That's what we believe is going on. God, it's not an overstatement to say God transforms the world each week through the gathered assembly of his people on Sundays. This is the most important thing you can do for the sake of the world is come to church on a Sunday morning. And and coming off of this, I just have some, uh, I, I have some things to say on being here on a Sunday morning and on not being here. Some encouragements and some exhortations. Um, if we believe all this is true and our worship is actually this potent, this meaningful. Like it's, it's not, it, you know, this, this isn't just a time for us to come and consume and receive religious goods and services. But actually this is a time each week set apart according to scripture for where God's people are, are where God, the triune God meets his people and renews them. Um, on being here, some thoughts about how this affects on being here. When we gather here on Sunday mornings, we, expect, we should be expecting God to renew us, to bring his new creation life to us. And through ordinary things, like I, you know, the ordinary means, singing songs, kids ministry, uh, a handshake and a hug during the passing of peace, we expect that through these ordinary things, God will bring resurrection life to us. And I think um, if we really believe that, we should, we should come on Sunday mornings with expectancy, expecting to, like, having our eyes open to the ways that God is particularly meeting us and caring for us and convicting us when we gather. Um, re remember the, the, the foreigner and the eunuch, how there's something about the Sabbath as the place where the impossible happens. The foreigner is brought in. The eunuch is given a name. Grabbing hold of just the, 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 the amazing miracle of that. Like, do you plan, going back to that, that color-coded calendar, do you plan your weeks, if you looked at your iCal, if you looked at your Google calendar, do you plan your weeks expecting for Sunday mornings to be the place where impossible new creation life meets you? sustains you, restores you, heals you, blesses you, surprises you. How would your Sunday mornings be different if you had faith that God could do that for you as you prepare for each Sunday, as you're here the remainder of this Sunday? And I'll just say, like, I know, like, this is calling you to expectancy. I know it doesn't feel this way. Like, I, I, um, I have two toddlers. You may have seen me running around, like, had to, they, you know, one had to go to the bathroom during the songs. Like, it's, 
it, it, I know that it, it's not a super fun thing to do all the time, come to church on a Sunday morning. It's like I was driving in here, I saw Haddon Ave was all blocked off. Looks like something fun's going to be happening on Haddon Ave today. And a Sunday mornings also, by the way, there are times, it's just a time of the week where our neighbors are resting the most. It's a time where they are like letting their hair down, wearing their sweats, going out to brunch, you know, going to just sleeping in, watching cartoons or whatever. And for us, it's like, it's a struggle. It's a struggle for, for, for us to get to church. And you look at me and you're like, well, dude, you're a, you're a pastor. Like you're, you're paid to do this. This is your job. And I, I would just say to you, like me putting myself in your guys' shoes, there are challenges I know that every single one of you must face to get here every Sunday morning. It's real. And I don't want to like turn the volume down on that at all and deny it at all when, we, when I call you to be expectant when you come to worship here on a Sunday morning. But what I, I would, I, I, what I would want to do is almost reframe it where like, is it possible that the very struggles that we experience in trying to prioritize this worship gathering every week, is it possible that the struggle itself is part of God forming us into the people that God wants us to be? Like how many people do you know in your life that you'd point your, maybe point your kids or your grandkids or your nieces and nephews to be like, be like that, that man, that woman. How many of them reached the, the pinnacles that they reached without there being struggle or a daily, weekly grind? I think there's, there's a, it feeling, Sunday mornings feeling like a grind and then being a place where God powerfully meets his people. Actually, those things fit together. They're not in contradiction to each other. So I'd encourage you, to, and, and like a, a story, like a story to, to illustrate this from my, my own life. I, um, I may not look like it, but when I was a kid, I was quite a basketball player. Like I would, my dad, uh, I grew up in the gym. My dad was a varsity basketball coach at a rival high school. And uh, my, my parents would sign me up for club team ba- over here, club team over there. Uh, I loved shooting threes um, before it was cool. Um, and uh, I... I really, I remember it was around like fifth, sixth, seventh grade, like this interesting turn started to happen where the, these club leagues, they started to schedule basketball games on Sunday mornings. And I grew up in a house where my parents worshiped, worshiped the Lord. And they, my parents, they, they drew a hard line around the Sunday morning time. And they, there were leagues that I, they did not sign me up for because they didn't want it, it to violate the time of going to church. And I didn't like that at the time, as a sixth, sixth grader, as a seventh grader. It was, and looking just plainly at the time, it was bad of them to do that. I, I was not a socially gregarious kid, I, and my friends were on my basketball team. It was a place where I was physically trained, a place where I gained confidence. It was, it was a place where I did something constructive, and I was socialized. Like, it was a really good thing for me. And my parents drew a line around, like it, it, you could say it was harmful for me. But I can tell you now, in, in my early 30s, looking back, I really appreciate that my parents did it um, and really respect it. And like they're, actually what they, they formed in me is something that's, that's been a gift to me through the rest of my life. And I've even seen it with some of my siblings. It's, um, it's a grind. It formed me. The, expect, uh, the point on being here, be expectant. And it, it, being expectant, it actually fits with the grind of Sunday mornings. It doesn't contradict it. That's on being here. And if all this is true, I also want to have, offer a warning 
on not being here, on, um, on, on not being here. I, I had a, a friend who, uh, a friend of mine from college whose dad passed away. It was a number of years ago now, uh, but his dad passed away younger than he should have. Uh, his dad, he was maybe in his late 50s, and my wife and I, we drove a ways to, to go to my friend's dad's uh, funeral service. And um, it, there, there, was a, there was a lot of tragedy. He was, he was a, a lovable man, but he was, he was a man who, um, in the la- really the last like 10, 15 years of his life, he had, um, there are ways that he just really didn't um, take care of himself and pro- to prolong his life. You know, he, his, his diet was really bad. His, uh, and this is, these are things that his, his kids were saying to me as I was talking to them after the service. Um, he, he was really bad at just checking in with people who loved him, his kids. Um, and even though they would reach out to him, he struggled to follow up. Um, he, and he, there's a lot of ways that he, he kind of had life just like right, out, right within his reach, but he didn't grab it. And what my friend said was, he said, you know, my dad, he wasn't, um, he wasn't outright suicidal, but he was passively suicidal. He allowed, him, he allowed himself to die. And if all the things I've been saying, and if this is what scripture says is true, that the Lord's Day, Sunday morning, is a place where resurrection life, Jesus' life uniquely meets the world and meets you, if all this that I'm saying is true, if we, if we allow ourselves to get in rhythms of just not being here, I would tell you, you are being passively suicidal with your faith. Um, so take care. And let me end by, by, by saying again, this is not like, a, Sunday morning worship is a time where God meets us. And there is a call for us to do, to show up. But most fundamentally, we come here, we love God because he first loved us. That's, I mean, that's what the day's about, right? We didn't raise Jesus from the dead. We come to worship him because he was raised from the dead and he brought new life in us so that we could take joy in showing up and fellowshipping with God's people and take joy in all these ordinary things. And we praise him for that. So my final word, word for you would be thinking about Sunday morning worship, thinking about the grind. If you want to be of the world, if you want to be like the world, let the world dictate how you spend your Sundays. Take that into your fall what it's worth and come and come expectant god loves you jesus loves you uh jesus died in part jesus died to forgive you from your sins cleanse you from all your sins to give you new life so you could grow but one of the reasons why jesus died and rose again is so that we could enjoy coming and worshiping him on sunday mornings and so that we could enjoy enjoy each other in fellowship so i'd encourage you just to avail yourselves of the gifts of the Lord's day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, could that have been the best sermon ever? Eh, the odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.